This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Michael Hinshaw. Michael is the president at MCorp CX, which is a leading customer experience management company delivering consulting, design, and technology solutions to customer-centric organizations. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. You bet. So one question I ask every single guest at the very beginning of every podcast is, what's one thing people might not know about you? Oh, that's a pretty long list. Um, <laughs> well, actually, kind of given the context of this, it's probably appropriate to, to share that, you know, I have a, a degree in design, right? My, my master's in graphic design. And for the first half of my career, maybe a little bit longer, that actually was uh, kind of looked at as a liability. It's like, oh, hey, you're an artsy guy. Um, <laughs> and interestingly, I'm a teaching fellow at UC Berkeley's business school. Yep. And so when that comes up, it's like, wow, you have a design background. It really surprises people. But what's super interesting is that that has turned from a perceptual liability into a, an attribute, a good thing, because the importance of design and creativity and problem solving has really risen in business. So it hasn't changed the way that I approach the world or think about things. It's just interesting to know that having a design background has kind of shifted uh, around me. That is interesting. So as you were starting out, though, and you're like, hey, I'm going to get my degree in design. What was that ultimate goal? Oh, yeah, it would. I'd be lying if I said I had a grand plan. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I asked that, you know, the, the trite answers are that they're really pretty girls in art school. Uh, there it is. I've always enjoyed art. And, and, and certainly, you know, thinking that way came naturally to me. So it seemed a logical path at the time. And as it turned out, it worked. The truth comes out. The truth comes out. No, I, I appreciate that that back end of the story. So let's let's walk right into it around our podcast. So what does what does customer experience have to do with the experience or the overall experience just inside the contact center? Because inside customer experience, it's like a, a holistic approach, and then there's a, a portion of it inside the contact center. So focus on a, just a little bit. I mean, arguably everything that a company does has impact on CX, which both makes it confusing as well as interesting. But looking at contact center specifically, you know, and by the way, so I, I'll pull out my art background occasionally. And this is one of those times when I give statistics, numbers, facts, I'm directionally accurate. So in other words, it's not entirely precise. Uh, math is not precise. Directionally accurate. Uh, yeah, so, I'm, I'm goodish at math. <laughs> yeah, so let's just say 15% of interactions that occur between an organization and its customers happen in marketing. And maybe the other 15% of total interactions occur during the sales process. You kind of you take that, you got about 70% left, and a lot of that 70% falls into service, right? Once someone becomes a customer, how do you interact with them most effectively? What are the kinds of questions that they have? And a big chunk of that service component falls in the contact center. So the short answer is the contact center is critical to the customer experience in almost any organization that has one. So I'm going to poke the bear just a little bit be and, and ruffle some feather, feathers in the CX space. So 
from my perspective, why is customer experience not talking to or interacting with that contact center? And maybe why is customer experience in a separate department than the customer service side? Uh, actually, we got a, a question. We did a webinar the other day, and that's one of the questions that came up. It's like, where should customer experience live? Mm-hmm. Sales, marketing, and, and con- or contact center, right? Or you know, service. And the reality is that the best customer experience uh, organizations inside companies actually span disciplines. The goal of customer experience holistically isn't just, I'll be ruffling feathers also, it's not just to optimize sales, optimize marketing. And in many cases, you know, customer experience has started in marketing, but we've started customer experience engagements in operations, in IT, you know, some of our biggest clients that we have right now, uh, customer experience and movement started in IT because IT touched, you know, every part of a multinational global organization. But in a contact center specifically, you're going to find, and I know you know this exceedingly well, but that many of the interactions that occur in a contact center are the result of something happening upstream. It's when the system breaks, right? Or marketing made a promise. You could look at that as the system breaking. Sales said something and customer expectations were set. Those expectations were not met when the rubber met the road. Who do they call? They don't call sales guy. They don't call marketing. They call the contact center. They call service. So the goal of customer experience, back to your original question, is to knock down the silos between different parts of an organization. Is to create a consistent end-to-end experience that allows a customer to have their expectations realistically set against their wants and needs up front, whether that's through marketing, sales, combinations thereof, so that when they become customers and stay customers, there's fewer problems because the customers are being treated in ways that they expect to be treated. Yeah, it's a great point that you just said. kind of called me out a little bit saying it's not necessarily that the system broke, but it was the perception maybe even that it broke. It, it could have been marketing was saying something or operations didn't do what they were supposed to do or something else happened. But it was just that the, it was the way that it was designed. But the perception as a consumer is something's not right. I need to get a hold of someone to fix this quote unquote problem. Yeah. I mean, customer experience all up, it lives between our ears and the ears of our customers. It's not a thing. It doesn't sit on a shelf. It's perceptual. And it's tied up with thinking, feeling, emotions. You know, if we want something to be a certain way and we don't get it the way that we're expecting it, typically as human creatures, we're not happy about it. Exactly. And you don't call the Ghostbusters. You call you call customer service. So I, I fully expect to to see an art design of Michael Hinshaw's head, the customer's head, and then CX smashed somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I, I see that going on the market as a as a hot commodity here. T-shirts. Coming. There it is. T-shirts coming. So within the contact center though, one of the, the most expensive resource are the people. And the problem inside the contact center is year over year, there's a exceedingly amount of people that are leaving the organizations. And it could be a number of things. It could be culture, it could be technology, or it could be, uh, you know, fill in the blank. But let's focus on the retention and the retaining of that customer or that mm-hmm. employee. How do you go about retaining an employee or that, that keeping that experience? When organizations have, uh, and so I just want to talk about the flip side of customer experience is employee experience, right? There's inextricable linkage between those two things. 
to the degree that ex employee experience is good, that helps drive employee loyalty, engagement, et cetera. Employees who are engaged and loyal deliver better customer experiences. So for organizations that believe customer experience is important, employee experience is important as well. So I bring that up because the concepts that we're talking about apply to both audiences. So if you want to retain your employees, just as if you want to retain your customers, you need to understand what your employees want. Uh, you understand what they need, how they feel. We hear a lot about you know, employees you know, dropping out of a particular contact center because they get another 20 cents an hour someplace else, mm -hmm. right? Maybe it's 40 cents, maybe it's a buck, whatever it is. The reality is that money is rarely the primary motivator of employees leaving. It's other stuff. And if you're a contact center professional and you're appropriately hired, appropriately onboarded, appropriately trained to the degree that the organization, the company you're working for does a good job meeting your needs, giving you a career path, showing you what the future looks like, basically setting up a world in which you want to thrive, you'll stay. Companies that don't do that, that don't value the employee experience, that reduce it to the point where an employee will leave if they get another 50 cents an hour because that's just that much better. That's not really the employee's fault, and that's not really the fault of the industry. And in our uh, opinion, that's the fault of the individual organization for not engaging with their employees enough, not understanding what's really valuable to them, and frankly, uh, not investing in delivering experiences that their customers are going to love either. Yeah, back in the day, and, and it could even be 10 years ago, the contact center was where careers would die. Right. You didn't really have an upward mobility in the organization. You couldn't really grow. And it wasn't really a fun place to work. Uh, I think a lot has changed in the last 10 years when it comes to the perception of the contact center, the technology and process, the interacting with, with leadership. And, and it can't, maybe it has to do with data and, and customers' expectations. But I, I think it's all, all important in being able to bring it back to that employee experience is a buddy of mine, Nate Brown uh, says is happy employees equal happy customers. Or my analogy is as a married guy is if, if mom ain't happy, nobody happy. So if the employees ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Yeah, actually we wrote a white paper with the, not the mom ain't happy title, but the, you know, happy, happy employees equal happy customers, but, you know, four or five years ago, I think. There it is. There's a lot of research on that. There's no, no doubt that the happier employees are, net effect, customers are happier too. Yeah, so let's get into that because let's say that you're able to retain, hypothetically, 100% of your people, which is not going to happen. But hypothetically, we're in a hypothetical stage right now. And I think there's, there's ways to, to retain them. But once you keep them and they're staying inside the organization, how do you increase that engagement? Because a lot of times as a we talk about customer experience or employee experience and they're like, this is great, but you want me to do what? Like what's, what's in it for me? How am I going to get paid on that if I'm trying to provide a better experience to the customer? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, you said something interesting there that I think goes to uh, uh, some, some core perceptions of the contact center. Uh, and when I say that, I'm not referring to any one organization nor to every organization, but how do I get paid on that? That goes back to the earlier comment, right? If all you're thinking about is how do I get paid on that, you've lost as an mm -hmm. organization. If that's the mindset your employees have, then it's it's not too late, but you're down a road that isn't a great one. So when you're thinking about 
what employees want from my perspective is less about you know how you get paid and more about what do you do to uh, you know increase the richness of their their work life what do you do to provide them things that you know are are less tangible perhaps but but no less valuable you know, emotional support engagement i mean you talk we hear engagement being talked about it's like well we need engaged employees you need to engage with our customers you can't, you know, oh, let me grab the engagement switch and give it a yank. It doesn't work that way, right? You need to you need to figure out, well, what does engagement mean to different employees? Where do they want to go? What do they need in their work life they're not getting from you? What do they need in their work life they're not getting and how do you give it to them? So when you build when you build engagement, when you understand what your employees need, and, and different types of employees have different needs, and no employee is the same. Right. But as with anything, if you can solve for the group as much as possible, while at the same time delivering against individual needs where you can, that, that's where you want to end up going. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. I, I would 100% agree with that. So let's bring it back to, to training because if you, you have a great experience in this and I kind of want to get more into that in a minute, but it isn't, training isn't just, you don't just set it and forget it. It's not the easy bake oven of that process. You don't just say, hey, we're going to do this once, guys. And there's a training switch, like you just said. Yeah. And everybody's going to be fully trained. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to move forward. And we're going to be able to consume all this. But how do you continue to re-engage after you've done it, done it the first time? So the, the biggest challenge with that is making it part of the rhythm of the business. And when I say it, I don't mean the training itself. I mean, the core lessons imparted by the training become part of the way the organization does business. You know, we've worked with lots of organizations. I'm sure you've seen it too, where, you know, to your point, you know, oh, we, we've got a requirement to train. Go listen to these nine videos and mm -hmm. sign the cert that you, you spent the time listening to videos. And, uh, and here's your, your training certificate of completion. You listen to nine videos. You listen to nine videos and you took uh, a true or false on three questions. Yeah. And I mean, we work for a, a number of you know, global organizations which require, you know, annual training in a number of different areas, you know, and I do it because we have to, right, mm -hmm. as, uh, as literally, you know, badge carrying members of some of these companies. And it, it kind of cracks me up, right? It's like, uh, have you ever, have you ever uh, had to take driver's training to get a ticket off your record? Not that I ever have. I'm just asking. I, I uh, may or may not have, Michael. <laughs> may or may not. <laughs> yeah, so what I've heard is that people who've done that, you know, they do the online training, which has been available for a long time. And, you know, they have like a timer. Well, you can't switch forward too quickly. 
So what you do is you, you know, get a glass of water, maybe do some emails, wait for the timer to go down. You keep clicking until it lets you move to the next slide, but you're not retaining yeah. anything. It doesn't gotcha. mean anything. You're checking the box. And when you think about training, it, it's actually, it's training, successful training is about change management, understanding where the organization wants to go and why, helping the organ, everyone in the organization understand why it's important to the company and helping everyone in the organization understand why it's important to them individually. So, you know, back to your, to your earlier comments, like, hey, what's in it for me? Well, it means different things to different people, but ultimately, if you're able to have uh, some understanding organizationally of what motivates your people and what drives your bottom line and your top line, if you can connect those three things up, that's when training succeeds. When you get people to, for example, I'll, I'll use an insurance company. Right, so we're doing a, a pretty big training for a, a pretty big insurance company, specifically the call center. And their goal as an organization, I mean, they have many of them, but I'll just pick one. One of those is to reduce the number of, you know, kind of legal battles against claims. Mm. Right? Because anytime you get sued, anytime a customer is so upset with you that they call a lawyer, it costs a lot of money. And, and that has you know, little to do with the actual settlement amount if it comes to that. It's all about time, energy, resources, the energy. I mean, that kind of stuff is negative energy for everybody, right? Yeah. Um, to the degree that you buy into that or not, the fact is it burns emotional capital. So for this organization, the training is designed in ways that deliver against employee goals. How do I communicate better with customers? How do I not upset my customers? How do I help my customers understand what the process is in ways that align to their expectations and don't upset them because when I'm dealing with somebody on the phone as a, as a claims agent or as a, as a call center rep, I don't enjoy talking to people who are hostile and angry. There are some people that do, right? And there are jobs for those people, but yeah. a call center rep isn't one of them. Um, it's certainly not an insurance company. Maybe you know? a prison warden or something. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. There you go. I mean, I don't know any prison wardens, so I can safely say that <laughs> maybe, but no, it's, it's about figuring out how to, you know, for this organization time, their business goals, to their employees' goals, which also link to the out desired outcomes of the job. And so for this uh, organization, we're helping employees understand their personal communication styles and how they can understand the communication styles of their customers. You know, not only, uh, mostly it's shorthand, but they're cues, right? You've done Myers-Briggs, I'm sure, DISC, mm -hmm. or, you know, we've, we've, we've done most of them uh, as, uh, as employees and partners over the years. But understanding how one person's communication style can be different from another and how you can essentially moderate or change your communication style to match somebody else and do so in ways that are, you know, work for both parties. That's one thing. Empathy is another one. Actually putting yourself in the shoes of your customer, looking at your customer's interactions with you from the outside in. And it's just, it's just a shift in perspective. It's not just about, you know, I've got to get this person off the phone in 20 seconds or I'm going to lose a bonus or whatever. Yep. It's, you know what, I, this person, I deal with claims every day, all day, every day, five days a week, sometimes six days a week. But customers, they're dealing with these claims once a year, once in their lifetimes, in some case. How do you empathize with somebody who's experienced, this is brand new to them, they know nothing about it. And so that kind of training not only reduces the risk of miscommunications, misunderstanding, and unmet expectations, it also makes the experience more enjoyable for employees more enjoyable for customers 
And at the end of the day, <laughs> increases retention and reduces costs by reducing legal liability of the organization because customers know what to expect and they're not surprised. Yeah, there's. it, it seems like a lot of this is is common sense when it comes to interacting with a customer. But if you are interacting with, I don't know, 4,000 customers in a year because you're in claims and you're just grounding and pounding these, these customers and you're trying to hit your success metrics, whatever that might be, and it might not be beneficial for you to have empathy because that means you have to sit there, listen, acknowledge what they're saying, understand what they're saying, and then respond with accordingly. Not just saying that sucks. Um, so it looks like you here. Here's the situation, right? It's not hearing yeah. where they're at. Maybe what what uh, Derek Gaunt, he was on the podcast, hostage negotiator. He he talks about labeling. So it sounds like it feels like it seems like mm-hmm. this situation. And he's like, most of the time in hostage hostage negotiation, you just had to shut up and listen for forty five seconds. He's yeah. like, they're gonna they're gonna vent. And they just want to feel like you care about them because when they feel like you care about them, then they might actually listen back. Yeah. And that's a perfect analogy because that's, you know, when you talk about communication styles, for example, or empathy, it doesn't automatically mean you add another four minutes to every call because what you give up on the front end, you're going to gain on the back end. And whether it's you following a claim, again, you know, using insurance as an example, it applies to every industry. Um, whether you're going to be the person handling this customer all the way through their relationship with the organization or you're going to hand it off to somebody else, if you don't help your customer up front understand that you as an individual and the organization you work with actually cares to, to some degree about them and their situation, it's going to cost more time. It's going to cost more money. It's going to take more resources at some point along the line. And ultimately, you know, as human creatures, we all want people to acknowledge where we are. We want them to acknowledge our feelings, we want them to acknowledge what we're going through. And it doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be super time consuming, uh, but the art of active listening and being able to communicate in ways that people can hear. Right? If somebody wants to tell you a story and you've got a four bullet point list that you've got to get through, darn it, mismatch, right? Yeah. They're not going to hear anything you say and you're not going to hear anything they say. Yeah. It would be refreshing if everybody just like, was the perfect call center representative. They just answered. They already knew the problem was. They knew we you authenticated them already. There was no problem. They understood what you're what you're going through. They labeled it. They solved your problem. Then they pushed you out on your merry way. But yeah. it's not how it always is. So we're we're grateful for for people like you to <laughs> to train train them in that process. Slight sidebar. I was talking to my mom last night. It was her birthday yesterday. And so I called her which happy birthday. And, you know, she's got some, some physical stuff going on. And my wife works, uh, works for a doctor and she set my mom up with the name of a specialist that could help her out. And I said, Hey, so did you talk to Dr. So-and-so? She said, no. I said, why not? He's perfect. And she said, well, I called the hospital to make an appointment and they wouldn't even listen to me. They wanted to know my name, my address, my social security number. I had some questions about the doctor. They wouldn't even talk to me. And she said, anybody that's going to hire someone like that, isn't somebody somebody I want to see. Mm. I said, well, you know, he doesn't hire the hospital staff. He works for the hospital like they do. She said, but the hospital obviously doesn't care about patients like me. Done. Right. So you take that (laughs) and it's like, bang. So. Well, you, you take that at that hospital and how many people have felt that same experience, but haven't voiced it and they just left. 
Yep. They just don't. Okay, great. Bye. Click. And, you know, and my mom voiced it to me, right? She's not voicing it at the hospital. They have no idea that they're losing patients. And the mission of most hospitals, I mean, other than making money, of course, but uh, at least in the U.S., but the mission of most hospitals is to provide healthcare. So if people aren't coming there because they perceive you don't care about them as human individuals with, you know, problems, then you're, you're losing a lot more than money. So yeah. I'm stretching the analogy a little bit, but you take a call center, the reality is the same kind of dynamic applies. Yeah. And, and the truth is, same with the doctor, the leadership might not have any idea that there's an unsatisfied customer that just left. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so I wrap up every podcast with two questions, Michael. The first question is, uh, what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And then the second okay. one is, if, if you could leave a note to every customer service representative, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m., what would it say? Over the last year, I've, I've been reading a lot since I, I haven't been on airplanes. Ironically, usually I work on airplanes and read at home. Well, so uh, Art Gensler. Art Gensler uh, and Ashley Appropriate, I think he passed away two days ago. And mm. He's the founder of Gensler & Associates, uh, one of the largest architecture and design firms in the world, over 5,000 employees. I, I met him once. We did a project for their firm uh, designing passenger experience for SFO, which is San Francisco International Airport. And uh, we were brought in by his firm to help them do that. We met him. You know, I was walking through their new offices. I was like, hey, Michael, you got to meet Art. And at that time, he was in his uh, you know, early 80s, came in work every day. He had a modest cube like everybody else's. And uh, he wrote a book called Arts Principles. And he's, he's they've, you know, published a number of books. But Arts Principles, it's actually about building a world-class professional services firm. Hmm. But some of the things in that book are completely applicable to customer experience. Uh, things like, you know, listen, value, value your people. It's okay to stop work at 6 p.m. because work's going to be here tomorrow. And, you know, there's a lot in there about, you know, managing a professional services firm, but it's not a very heavy read. It's something that I'd suggest to anybody who's interested in customer experience, recognizing that this man, you know, through his curiosity, uh, creativity, interest in the world, you know, built one of the most enduring, you know, architecture and design brands in the world. Wow. I, I love the fact that you just brought up a arch architecture design firm book around customer experience because that's a lot of things that I bring in you, you know I talked about the hostage negotiator I, yeah. there's all sorts of people and because you can learn a ton through others and in other industries if you just listen yeah well in, in response to the second question <laughs> <laughs> that's the memo right listen to your customers there's obviously a lot to expand on that, but the short story is listen to them. And the second part is dot, 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 and act on what you hear. Yeah, I, I love that. I think uh, we could do a whole podcast just on, on listening and acting, but that's for another day. Michael, uh, what's the best way for my listeners to get a hold of you? Email. Uh, you can email me directly, mhinshaw at mcorp.cx, or uh, visit online. You can find me there um, at uh, mcorp dot cx so www.mcorp.cx that's great well i appreciate your time and and uh looking forward to the success you will have to come uh, thanks for your thanks again for the opportunity to, to interview you absolute pleasure thanks a lot nick hey listeners can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today if so please consider sharing this episode with them
And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.